Action Lewis. If you'd be so kind as to leave me a rating and your feedback, I'd very much appreciate it as it will help dynamic people such as yourself optimally discover this podcast and they can add it to their library of favorite podcasts. As you know, at Second Chance Coaching, we focus on seeing everyday life through the eyes of the returning citizen and highlighting the resiliency of the human spirit. I'd love to work with you one-on-one, whether you're a returning citizen or coaching client seeking your second chance, or you're a representative of a business college or university seeking to integrate and support returning citizens in your respective learning and organizational environments. Feel free to contact me via email at richard at secondchancecoaching.com or via Instagram at Lewis. It is always good to say hello and welcome everyone again to Second Chance Coaching. And as always, we welcome our continuous listeners and of course our first time listeners to the podcast. Since 2017, April is recognized as Second Chance Month in the United States and we continue to recognize Second Chance Month here at Second Chance Coaching. Second Chance Month is designed to highlight the consequences of a criminal justice conviction and to highlight second chances for returning citizens. Today, our topic today we're going to be talking about is player hating and fear. According to Urban Dictionary, player hating is basically an all-encompassing affront on another's lifestyle or basically just being jealous of another's lifestyle. Now in life, we all have player haters, and there's certainly been times that we've been vulnerable in being player haters ourselves. In addition, we're also reflecting on the emotion of fear, which is an emotion we have all had to confront and deal with. Along the reentry journey, I found that player hating and fear seem to really go hand in hand like peanut butter and jelly. Like many subjects, these challenges are not unique to the they're not unique to the reentry journey. All of us face them whether we are on the reentry journey or not, as life's journey takes us on these adventures. But let's start with fear. Let's talk about fear for a minute. Um, For example, those of us who travel via airlines, you know, of course, most of us did a lot of traveling pre-pandemic, and some of us are still doing that traveling now. We've gone through the process when we've traveled via airlines, the process of experiencing turbulence on the airplane. I traveled via via airlines for years, and I look forward to certainly doing it again. Definitely traveling around the world. It is one of the most greatest experiences that I've ever had. But I remember in 2017, I flew about three times in a period of two months. And in those three flights, every single flight I had had tough turbulence, which actually (laughs) placed that fear in me of flying for a temporary time period. Now, on that third flight, I think I almost kind of willed the turbulence into existence. As I was in the front cabin, now I wasn't in first class. I was just sitting in the big boy seat on Spirit Airlines. And as we were taking off, I was sitting right in front of the flight attendant, and the flight attendant made the sign of the cross as we started to take off, which really got me nervous because I figured if the flight attendant is nervous, then I have something to really worry about. Now, during the course of the flight, we did have a little turbulence. But if I reflect on it, it really wasn't that bad. But the fear that I had at that time made everything even that much more magnified. I was flying with one of my buddies and he was sitting next to me and I spoke to him while we were in the air. Once that turbulence, that initial period of turbulence ended, I asked him, how does he handle turbulence anxiety? He shared with me the key for him 
was to download comedy movies on your smartphone or your tablet and to buy good noise canceling headphones such as like Bose or Beats or Sony, all great noise canceling headphones. He said that comedy movies definitely would keep you relaxed and the noise canceling headphones keeps all of the distracting noise out. Like if there's baby crying or people feeling tense during the flight, you won't hear any of that stuff. Of course, he also added that a little shot of alcohol before you get on the plane never hurt anybody. Now, for me, primarily the fear was overcome by placing the concentration on something other than your fear. So, of course, you know, doing that, you concentrate on something other than your fear, but that's positive. You want to concentrate on something positive. Now, for airline travel, it definitely works. Certainly, comedy movies or movies that you're interested in or really take your attention noise-canceling headphones, and of course, that little alcohol shot does work. But overall, keeping your concentration on something enjoyable and, on, and focus on something enjoyable definitely works. So that definitely worked when it came to the fear of, of flying. <laughs> but now let's switch over to player hating for a second. Now, the player hating has happened to all of us, and we have, and we have all been player haters at one time or another. Let me share with you when I was in high school. During, during my high school years, for a few years, me and a couple of buddies of mine had a mobile disc jockey business. So we certainly provided movie, provided music, not movies. We provided music at different lo locations that we were asked to DJ the party. Now, in this venture, I really wanted to do well. And really, in my motivation to do well, it was really designed to impress friends or impress people that I wanted to be friends of mine, but mostly was to really attract and, and impress girls. What most high school boys of that age, that's really what mattered. As a group, as a group, there was about four of us that, that did the DJ business together. And as a group, we would spend Saturday afternoons practicing different mixes with albums. We had vinyl records at the time. This is the 80s, remember? And then, of course, we would make tapes and we would perfect music musical combinations so that when we were actually hired to do parties, then it would just seem very effortless. So that's what that, that practice was all about. I certainly enjoyed it. Loved being in business with my buddies, you know, making money, meeting different people and just going out and, and providing music for different parties. So it was just a great time. But certainly in that respect, I wanted to be the man. And I wanted to have my own DJ equipment. Some of my friends, they had DJ equipment, so I had to go to their house to do the practicing. So I wanted to have my own equipment and I wanted to be better at impressing friends and girls, and I wanted to certainly be the center of that attention. Now, when I started to look around and shop around for DJ equipment, I was not happy because I found out the cost of that equipment was expensive. For, for a 15 or 16-year-old, it was pretty expensive. And I remember having that conversation with my mom and talking about you know the money and the DJ equipment and things of that nature. My mom didn't want me to have a part-time job, but I had a part-time job at the time, and I could hear, and she could really hear the green envy in my voice and wanting that equipment and wanting to really be that center of attention. And then she looked at me and said, look, you have a part-time job. I didn't tell you to get a part-time job. I want you to be in school, but since you have a part-time job and you see something that you want, you have to just save your money, secure your equipment, put it on layaway, and then pay it off. Now, layaway is another outdated concept now. <laughs> that, that's how we bought a lot of expensive stuff in the 1980s. 
people had credit cards back then, but certainly layaway was a concept. I don't even know if they, if you're even allowed to put things on layaway now. When I worked at a clothing store at the Green Acres Mall in New York, I I had people pay for expensive clothes, and they constantly would put clothes on layaway, and then eventually paid it off. Now, for me, I continued working at my part-time job, would work extra hours anytime I could find it. I saved my money. I secured the equipment on layaway because I didn't want it to get sold out, sold out under me. And eventually, I got my DJ equipment. My mom was the greatest. She even drove me all the way to Manhattan. That's where the DJ equipment was at that store. And she drove me to Manhattan and packed it up when I bought it and, and helped me transport it back to our home. I enjoyed having the equipment at the house, but then all of a sudden mom said something that really stuck to me. She said, now that you got it, you have to maintain it. So there's still work to be done. Now, now that I had the equipment, I could practice at my house. My friends could come to my house too as part of that rotation of what we did on Saturday afternoons. And I enjoyed the equipment and I had a great time. I even had a slight window of impressing some friends or some sort of new friends and even and even impress some girls but it was so fleeting all the effort i did in saving for that money to get that equipment it was fleeting for like what seemed like the five minutes that it impressed anybody but mom was also right i had to maintain that equipment as well to keep it working i had to clean it i had to maintain it you know i had to learn things about maintaining equipment I didn't know that I had to learn, but I had to do it to keep it going. So the lesson I learned in that season of Green Envy was I had to work for what I wanted, but once I get it, I have to maintain it. And the superficial benefits were indeed fleeting. There, there's also, there's, those are also, there's also lessons in when you're hated on. So I was player hating at that time. I was like, I love my buddies, but I was like, man, I wanted that DJ equipment too. But then when I got it, I realized that, you know what, you could, you, you could get the grass, but then the grass has to get cut. You have to maintain it. And all the effort that you put in and saving the money and even impressing people for less than five minutes, you still got to put in the work. And all that work was not always worth it in the end. But I still enjoyed it. We still had a successful business, but I, but I was doing it for the wrong reasons initially. But once I got my equipment it made me realize that I had to do it for the right, for the right reasons. I was doing it for the right reasons because my eyes were open to it because now I had the things in my possession. But there's also lessons that you could learn when you're the one being hated on. When I decided to get my doctorate, pursue my doctorate, there were people who were really excited for you. You know, they're excited for you. They're cheering you on and stuff like that. But then there's also plenty of haters that come to the surface as well, especially in the education field. The education field is such a noble and rewarding profession, but many of us, you'd be surprised, many of us are very competitive in the education field. And there are even folks who are ruthless, ruthless in their player hating. Along the doctoral journey, I would get some folks who would say things directly to me like, well, Richard, a doctor doesn't make you smart, or a doctor isn't all that. Or they would say, well, when you become a doctor, I'm not going to call you Dr. Lewis. I'm just going to call you Richard because I just feel that it should always just be, be uh, informal, like we should just use first names. Or I would get the backhanded microaggression that would, maybe it wasn't so backhanded, but it would be the microaggression of, oh, well, it must be nice to pursue a doctor. It must be nice 
to be a doctor and things of that nature. And I remember responding when I would get the, it just must be nice by saying, telling folks for sure, it must be nice. Yeah, it's nice to put in an extra 15 to 20 hours per week of schoolwork while you're working in this doctorate program. Yeah, it must be nice to make a lot of sacrifices and put a lot of things on the back burner in order to reach that goal because you got to make those sacrifices. Yeah, and it also is nice to bury your son after the first year of a doctoral program and still have to keep going while you're mourning the death of a loved one. Yes, and it must be nice that the foundation of my dissertation is based on one of the most traumatic experiences of my life, and that was a carceral experience. Yeah, it really must be nice. There were even coworkers who would even assert their Shark Tank personalities by always trying to want to appear smarter than you. They figured if they could outsmart someone who has a doctorate, then that's, that says that they're, they're much better than you. And, and, you know, they didn't need a doctor to be smarter than you. But my response, in addition to the it must be nice routine, would be that if you're going to sit there and do that to me, your insecurities must be so great that you want to project your insecurities upon me by trying to make me apologize for having a doctorate. And my response to that was, I will absolutely not apologize for having a doctorate. I would say to these say to these coworkers, your insecurities do not belong to me, nor do I receive them. But I told them I have good news for you. And I want to share this with you just between me and you. The good news is the school that I went and got my doctorate from, they're still offering that doctoral program and they're accepting applications. So if you want to fix your insecurities, Go, go apply, just like I did. Go apply and go get your degree, make your mark, and do what it is that you have to do. But I would always remember at that point what mom said, whether it was getting my doctorate or dealing with people that were player-hating, you still got to maintain after you get your doctorate, because after you get your doctorate, you still have to sharpen your research and make your mark in the academic field. What did you do to contribute to your field? All you did was get your doctorate and that's it. It's a waste. It's a waste of time if that's all you're going to do. And when I thought about that, it's not only a waste of time whether you're, if you're not going to contribute to the, to the field, but also going back to that DJ equipment when I was a teenager, it's a waste whether I'm hating over teenage aspirations or it's a waste if professionals in their professional arena are acting like teenagers or even bratty children because they're not doing what it is that you've chosen to do or what in that time I chose to do. So we started talking in this week about fear. And there is definitely fear when one is released from prison and coming home. A lot of people, a lot of returning citizens have that fear. I had that fear when I came home. There's the fear over what's next. There's a fear, is, there's a fear of how one is judged. Um, are you going to have sustainable finances? Are you going to be able to take care of yourself? And just so many different everyday things that are associated with the reentry journey. But what life will look like one step at a time. But still, still, fear is there. Fear is there. Fear is in the midst, whether it's day one of your reentry journey or day number 7,300 and counting on your reentry journey. The fear is there for those, and, and there's so many issues. But let me get you back to mom's wisdom that no matter what no matter if you're being hit by fear or player haters mom would always say remember number one god is with you so activate your faith and it'll be there 
take everything one day at a time. You live one day at a time, just take everything one day at a time. You don't have to worry about over planning and trying to compensate for things that haven't happened yet. When you seek it, whatever you seek, whether it's DJ equipment, whether it's a doctorate, whether it's fighting off player haters, whatever you seek, obtain it, master it. And, and but you, when you obtain it, you have to maintain it. Now, whether you're using noise canceling headphones or something you're doing on your own, cancel the noise. Don't listen to what's worth it. Don't listen to people that you don't, you don't really care what their opinion is. A mentor once told me that don't accept criticism from people whose opinion you don't even care about anyway. Why would you care about their criticism if you wouldn't care about their opinion or you wouldn't even seek advice from them? But remember, always, when you're canceling the noise, concentrate on something else. And most of all, that something else should be what's important. And that and what's important is going to take you away from your fear and it will quash the player hating. And remember, when you do that every day, one step at a time, you do that journey, you'll get to where you're going. And the peanut butter and jelly of fear and player hating will leave you right away. We could do that together and we could and you, I know you could do it. And if you don't and if you need help, let's do that together because we could do that together working one on one. And remember, whether you're a returning citizen, coaching clients seeking their second chance, let's work on that together. If you're a representative of a business college or university that's looking to guide and help those returning citizens block out the fear and take away the player hating, definitely contact me via email at richard at secondchancecoach.com or definitely via Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. Remember, you have been blessed to see another day, another minute, another moment, another second, another hour. That means you've been blessed with your second chance and you are you are powerful to be able to make the best of it. Remember, I love you all. Take care and I look forward to talking to you next week.